I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, and welcome to episode 141, especially the Patreon supporters, because without them we wouldn't be able to produce this podcast, and it is a podcast which is free for everyone, but it's self-funded, and if you like what you hear, please do go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram page, find their Linktree drop-down box, and follow the link to Patreon. That said, back to today's episode. I'm shortly going to introduce you to Anthony Garrett. It's another one of those episodes that got recorded months ago. Anthony was supposed to be part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week, but in this episode Anthony will tell you why that didn't happen. Anthony splits his time between painting and and creating public artworks. Obviously it was the public artworks that he was going to show in the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. Now I don't really want to do any spoilers in the intro about Anthony's work. But it is absolutely beautiful and full of empathy and care for others. And he's also a bloody great guy. But don't just take my word for that. Come along with me over Zoom to meet Anthony Garrett. It was all going ahead and then I was, I was literally driving down to install it. Like I had a boot full of gas and the letters and everything. I had a phone call from Vestalia saying the Parks Authority had cancelled it on that day. Saying that they, they weren't sure the grass would grow back. So... <laughs> So, uh, and I presume you've done it several times before. Oh, yeah, I've tested it loads. It's absolutely fine. It recovers in about two weeks. Um, but I guess that's, that's the nature of the beast. It's something that people haven't done before, I guess. So there's a risk attached to it. Yeah. And get a bit nervous of that. So, But we're trying to find other venues now and hopefully it will happen in another another vein. But yeah, a bit of a shame. But it'll, it'll happen. Um, it's probably going to happen in Manchester and in Cornwall. And I'm hoping it will still happen as part of the festival. But yeah, we'll see. It's part of the risk with public art, isn't it? You never know what's going to happen. So. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you've had the opportunity to listen to any of these, 
Yeah, I love them. They're amazing. Yeah, amazing. Thanks. No, I really, actually, you've kind of got me into podcasts, to be honest, because I, I hadn't really listened to them, and then I've, I've really got into them. I loved your Maggie Hambling one, especially the bit where you sit on her sculpture. Oh, man, she's, <laughs> yeah, she was, um, she was fucking scary. It reminds me of um, when, uh, like, when my little son was about two months old, and I thought I'd venture out and see a show, and I went to see Ai Weiwei's show at the Royal Academy. Yeah. I was wandering around, and he had that, you know, the concrete re steel reinforcement yeah, yeah, bars yeah. all piled up in the seismic chart, and... Um, I put Walt down for a second just out of the carrier and kind of just adjusted myself. And I looked, I heard this massive crashing noise and he basically crawled up that sculpture and all these steel rods were rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Security guard gave what he gave her. We kind of agreed that maybe I would have quite liked that anyway, so it was all right. But I had to kind of rearrange them as though it was like. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I um, remember, do you, do you know the Golden Heart pub in Spitalfields? Oh, of course, yeah, very much. Yeah, so. I used to drink there a lot, and uh, it was when Tracy Emin used to drink there, and mm. she, she had fallen over on the floor, and she was a bit, bit hammered and like on the floor, and I was like, someone trace round her, and it'd be a trace of Emin. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Which also that's... didn't happen, but... No, but it should do, shouldn't it? Well, and I've got um, I've got seven questions that I ask each artist. Cool. The first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? It'd probably take quite a while. I think I'd explain that I've got two hats as an artist. So I've got a painting hat and then I've got my kind of public art hat. And they're two very different worlds. So it's a slightly unusual career because I enjoy both for different reasons. My painting is sort of something I can do for about two days and then I need to do something else. Um, so that I sort of collaborate with people and make public artworks as well. Um, so it's kind of play, I guess. It mostly just play, which sounds bizarre as a job. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> oh, what, who, who wouldn't want that job? Exactly. You say you paint for two days, is that, um, and you've had enough? Is that because it's so intense and takes up so much mind space, or is it the physical? Yeah, I think um, I just find it kind of exhausting. Um, I paint quickly. Um, I'm not a kind of dweller, really. Um, I'm not a technical painter. So I think the idea needs to happen quite quickly and they need to be executed quite in quite a fresh way. Yeah. If I spend too much time in front of them, I gradually kind of wreck them and I need to come back. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it's just kind of a natural process. But I also just enjoy working with other people, like the collaboration thing is quite important. So working with you know, musicians or poets or whatever. So rather than just being in my hovel, getting too involved in my painting, which is pretty bad for my brain, I think I like to get involved with other yeah. people. And what, what collaborations are they? Total mixture. They started off as um, placing giant paintings out in the landscape. So um, for instance, on Snowdon in Wales, I put a yeah. five meter painting on a raft in the middle of the lake. Um, so that involved like shipbuilders who were able to build this raft um, like you know technical people who knew all that building that's not me <laughs> quite an unusual brief got to carry like a big bra uh, like a raft up Snowdon on the old miners track and then launch it into the middle of the lake as you do um, and that was to do with the mining industry there and the kind of retirement of the mining industry so the painting was made in copper and iron that kind of oxidized over the season nice. And there was another one of those down a, a slate mine um, 500 feet underground. So they kind of rotted almost together. Yeah. Um, um, and then in contrast, that I've, I've put together mass painting installations. So that's getting as many people as I can together, almost like flash mob style painting the same thing. 
Um, so I got almost a thousand people along the Cornish coast between Nans End and Senan painting the same Super. project. Like Super. ranging from kids to elderly people to professional artists. And, and that was about like connecting people with what they're looking at emotionally. I don't know if you find this, but like when you paint something or draw something, you, you build a bond with it. So, um, Definitely. It's a good way of kind of like getting kids to engage with, say, the landscape or the environment yeah. or issues. So, um, uh, so total range. And then, yeah, paintings that spin in the wind for a shipwreck uh, and then compose music as they do so. Oh, no, I didn't know that about the uh, uh, yeah. painting in question. <laughs> and, and this is one that really pricked my ears. It was um, about the ship, the Royal Charter. That's right, yeah. Could you just tell us about that whole project and, and maybe yeah. a little bit of the history? Yeah, for sure. So the Royal Charter was um, a big storm, uh, especially on the island of Anglesey off North Wales. And it inspired Fitzroy to basically invent the shipping forecast to prevent another disaster like that, where I think 400 people died um, on Anglesey off the, on the Royal Charter ship. And it was a steamship which was going from Melbourne to Liverpool, and it got hit by the storm and wrecks on Anglesey uh, near Malfra. Um, and I was commissioned to make a piece of art to kind of commemorate on the anniversary, 160th anniversary of that, that wreck. Yeah. Um, so it's to do with the shipping forecast and also the wreck. So I made a giant five by three meter painting Brilliant. that was basically like a giant weather vane. And on one side, there was a painting of, of the storm hitting the boat. Um, on the other side was a calm day at sea. So depending on the prevailing wind direction, yeah. you'd see the storm or the calm because it would spin. But inside that was a little data encoder that sent a bit of data every day at five to six, the time of the shipping forecast. Nice. And that was turned into a musical note. And then on the anniversary of the um, wreck, uh, a Welsh male voice choir and a violinist played the music that was composed. Oh, man, that's beautiful. So it was really moving. Like Everyone was in tears, really, partly because the music was sounded so awful. <laughs> 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 but, uh, well, because it was composed by the wind and not a human. It was, it was kind yeah, of just like random notes. Random notes, all in a, a non-phrase. So it was, yeah, it was cool, but weird. Quite haunting, though. And yeah, we used we managed to find the old bell from the Royal Charter boat, oh, which was obviously dived and you know brought up from the sea. And so for the choir to use that in performance as well was really. Amazing. And they used it too. Yeah, so that kind of broke the phrases of music. Um, wow. And then the ex poet laureate for Wales, Gillian Clark, wrote a poem um, which was read halfway through the performance as well. So that was like a collaboration with loads of different you know, musicians, yeah. poets, engineers, which I loved. Oh man, it's beautiful, and I like oh, the way that, that you had said that it, it it creates a sense of roulette. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah that's true, isn't it? You know. Yeah, and yeah, depending because there are kind of two prevailing wind directions on the coast, so it was kind of switching between those two. Wow, so a lot of the notes were kind of like dong 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 dong, which developed a bit yeah. of time. So there's loads of chance to do with it, but I love that about the risk involved in putting something big and flat out in the landscape, like yeah, painting, you know, yeah. a big sail, basically. <laughs> and is it still there? It's come down now. I thought it was important that it was temporary because um, it kind of, it was about the anniversary in that one event. Yeah. So um, somehow it staying up became a bit too much of a statement, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so, and so also, how... oh, sorry. No, go on, please. Um, then you get involved in kind of planning and all that stuff as well. So, because it was a temporary structure, it, it sort of keeps it simple. I was going to say, how, how long was the length of music? That you oh, yeah. Made? Okay. So, um, about three or four minutes. Um, 
And how long did it take to create that? Uh, 60 days. Wow. So, which was the time it took the ship to get from Melbourne to the island. So we stopped recording after oh, that. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, just layers and layers of interest. Lots of funny little details. But yeah, it was, it was really moving. Like every stage of it was really emotional, I think. Yeah. But, which was great. And, um, and it interrupted. There's a little coast path around Anglesey on that. So it interrupted that walk and made people stop. And yeah. I think that's the important part about public yeah. art, isn't it? It's like Definitely. interrupting the humdrum of life just to, you know, be shocked or surprised or or hate something or love it. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm walking. all for the story behind the artwork. Mm. And, um, you know, like you was just saying there, that's what made me think of it. Just getting people to stop, come out of their little world, come off of their train track and just pay attention to something for a, yeah. a few moments mm. it, it can bloody change the way someone thinks you know yeah yeah and you know not just look at it and say oh that's um worth a lot of money yeah because mm. that's mm. yeah to me that's nothing yeah it's getting out of that tunnel isn't it the vision that we have where oh, we, definitely. We, we look down or you know we don't engage so these things that are shocking or like bring us outside of that are more and more important i reckon i don't know if like you're explaining how like you're able to read people when you're when you're in prison and sort of yeah. maybe that opened your kind of senses to like what's around you I guess do you think that attached you to the idea of art as well in in some respects like that idea that you know you, you can suddenly go like that and you can see more you can sort of engage more and well that's what definitely got me into conceptual art yeah because I mean I had no interest in art whatsoever um when I went to prison yeah. And I think that what got me into art was finding that I discovered that I was potentially good at it. I could see a relationship between what I'd just put on the paper and what I was copying. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I've found something other than fucking crime and fighting that I'm, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. I'm okay yeah. at, you know. Yeah. And then getting the, the tutor's sort of approval and, you know, that, that probably pushed me into art. Cool. But then it, it wasn't until you, you, you may well have heard me mention before, but I saw Mona Hatoum's um, sculpture called No Way 2 that had the nuts and bolts in the, in the colander. It's when I discovered how to read conceptual art. Yeah. That's when it properly just pinged outwards. Yeah. And it, it yeah. really did sort of open up a... Well, it opened up my fucking my cell. You know, it's as if it took the firewall off the yeah. back of my prison cell. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was the freest person in prison. It, it really right. was that sort of thing. That's why I, I refer to myself sometimes as a born again artist. <laughs> it's literally overnight, yeah. my, my fucking world changed. Yeah. It really did change. I know exactly what you mean in some respects, because I, I don't think I've always liked art or understood it. And I think it's almost like a, self-admittance isn't it it's like saying actually i get that now and then as soon as you get it and you you want to engage with it then it opens up this this whole world doesn't it yeah. and i'm only really getting to grips with that in the last couple of years i think it's amazing think, this journey isn't it yeah it's it's infinite isn't it there's no end to it which is lovely yeah you're there's definitely no brief there's no like yeah, end yeah you're definitely being taken on a journey rather than taking a journey aren't you you know yeah yeah um, yeah, because whenever I see a piece of artwork and um, it doesn't appeal to me, like mm. visually, which, you know, is, it, not every artwork's going to, you know, I just I just hope that there's something other than what's just been put on the canvas or, you know, what's been put in front of me. Yeah. And then sometimes that, just having that 
little story behind it, that mm. can just, you know, make the, because it's me who's, who's missed the story. It's mm. not, yeah. the artist yeah. hasn't done anything wrong. I've just not read it correctly, you know, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. we, it's, it's all about sort of uh, this visual language we're all putting out and we've all yeah. got slightly different accents to our language and sometimes yeah. you just yeah. don't pick up on it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, it's amazing in Britain, isn't it? I'm just talking about accents, how tiny it is as an island and yet you can cross a border and there'll be a totally different lingo. I, I love that. And that's, it's like art, isn't it? I mean, you, you, can, you can cross a little boundary and there'll be a totally different language in that like county of art not literally but like that sort of area of which means there's just infinite different languages and I mean but everyone's convinced that their one is the right, messiah yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's such a human thing isn't it it's like yeah. yeah did you always have art at home growing up yeah I did I mean to be honest I've never been able to do much apart from art and music so it's kind of <laughs> it's quite easy it was like even through primary school it was like all I did was draw and play music and that nice. was it and I I'd never really I, I kind of feel lucky because I've never had the choice yeah, <laughs> good. you know um and my mum's a potter and uh, her mum was an artist so I suppose I've always been around it and just been really lucky that it was a kind of accepted thing you know yeah you think quite often it's not isn't it it's like you know and has that aesthetic lineage gone into your children um, I don't know yet. He's six and he comes up with some pretty eccentric art. So <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, you could be the next Damien Hurst. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? Cause you don't want to force it on them either. It's like they've got to do it for themselves. It's like, you know, I mean, yeah, I gave either. up on my children. <laughs> yeah, I started and, and when they started doing it, you know, when they put their mind to it. Yeah. You know, they was producing some some really good drawings you know for, and this is again like you was just saying when they was like six or seven like yeah. really surprised and it really surprised them but then yeah. went upstairs they'd forgotten about you know by the time they got to <laughs> upstairs that yeah. bit of um yeah eagerness to draw had, had dissipated yeah. you know and um attention span of a flea yeah, yeah. youtube and xbox Exactly. Time, you know. Yeah, that's right. But um, yeah. yeah, who knows? They like coming to the exhibitions with me, you know, occasionally. Yeah, such cool life for them as well. That's yeah, but they only like the private views when there's, <laughs> you know, the odd celebrity there or something yeah, bet, like that, yeah. you know. Well, they sort of float towards them and, you know, taking a <laughs> selfie of themselves with someone in the background, you know. They don't actually look at the art at all, just edge towards them. <laughs> when did you realise that you wanted to be an artist? I think probably on my foundation, I did a foundation course at Chelsea um, and it was all about just a year of play. Yeah. Um, and I just thought then if you can make a career out of this, then that's a result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think everyone's got that mindset, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's um, more and more. I'm really passionate about the idea that creativity is what makes us human. So you know, there's often a, a separation in definition between art and science or maths or whatever. And I think yeah. they're all they're all arts, you know. And so if we, we think more about linking everything, so especially at school, so art is as important as maths and science, then suddenly we're going to come up with creative solutions to everything. And it's like sort of, I think we need to almost rethink definitions of stuff. Yeah. Art kind of floating around as its own thing at the moment. And I feel like it needs to be involved with other stuff. So, um 
I don't know how that relates to your question, <laughs> just me going off on one, but um, we do, we, do we, we say rely on like definitions, don't we? Everything has a definition, there's a word attached to it, and then that object is a thing in itself. Yeah. Um, and I teach a bit of experimental painting down at, at Newlyn School of Art, and it's about trying to get adults to get out of this idea of objectifying something, mm. thinking Definitely. there's all this stuff around it. It's a 3D like imaginary entity around it. Um, and then it, it becomes easier, doesn't it? It's like frees up another world attached yeah. to that thing. Your drawings are incredible. Like those little barbed wire um, drawings that I saw, they're so incredible and really powerful. So you've got that kind of like, they look sharp, but also they've got quite soft messages sometimes. It's a, it's a really cool idea. Well, that's what I liked about them, and to tell you the truth, mm -hmm. is that I, like you was just saying about your artwork there, I like the idea that you can, it, it catches your eye from a distance because it doesn't quite look right. It looks like a fine drawing, but you know it's not a fine mm. drawing, you mm. know, because it's mm. got a lot of um, visual texture about it. And it's not until you get up close that you see it's, uh, you know, these um, tally marks. Mm. And then you realise it's the time series and it's just that, like you were saying, just that yeah, you know, unfolding or you yeah. know, taking off each skin mm. of the onion, you know. And and that's all, yeah. That's all down to all down to. I've just finished one just last night, actually. Oh, cool. yeah. Fucking head in. <laughs> yeah, and and you can't when you're working on them. Yeah. You know, obviously, a, a sort of quite close. And, and my eyes are shit anyway, so I've got to get quite close to them. <laughs> and you can be. I'll be doing it for an hour, and I have no idea whether it's worked or not until mm. I sort of just tape it to. Yeah, take yeah. it to the wall, have a look. And I go, oh, yeah, that's looking all right. <laughs> I need to get a pair of backwards binoculars or something, you know. It's a bit of a journey. I bet they start really positively, you know, like with a raising energy, and then about half an hour in, you're like, oh, fucking hell. I've got another... <laughs> well, I can, it takes me about half hour to sort of get into the mindset to start them because they're so yeah. monotonous, you know. So that's where podcasts come in. I yeah, put cool. into my ears because I've always put headphones in. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's where a podcast cracks yeah. on, and I just sort of... I'm just numb for a, for a couple of hours, you know. It's like that, isn't it? I mean, I, I'll be in the studio painting and I know that school pick, I've got to leave at three for pick up, whatever. And three o'clock comes around in about five minutes. It's like, I'll get all yeah. my stuff out, start painting. And then before I know it, it's kind of, oh, I've missed it. And he's at the gateway. <laughs> <laughs> I arrive covered in paint. So yeah, like, teacher's yeah. dropping him off to you at <laughs> 10 to five. <laughs> there you go. Which piece that you've created, then, do you think has got the strongest emotional connection? I think public art-wise, the, the Two All at Sea uh, yeah. shipwreck piece, because it was so layered and everyone involved in it was emotional for different reasons. So there was this kind of collective um, thing about it, which was really lovely. And because it was about emotive subjects and it was in the context of the place, it, it had loads of layers of emotion. When I had to do this little speech during the... Um, performance of the music and I just kind of lost it <laughs> sobbing <laughs> which, which Man, then everyone else started off and it was like yeah but it was yeah it was stunning um not because of the painting or anything just because of the whole, the, whole yeah, the, the, the feeling is yeah like you mentioned earlier about um the energy that come from that can come from an art of work from an art of work yeah from a work of art and um yeah I'm a strong believer that if you put energy into something it, it, and I, I'm not a very spiritual person, but yeah. you, you can feel a power emanating from an artwork. Oh, I just, yeah. the one I'm working on at the moment, 
um, I don't sort of publicise these. I do these a, a little bit private, really. Mm. But I do, most of my padlocks are um, closed padlocks because it's meant to be um, trying to um, achieve a resolution that you're, you know, that you're okay, working. Yeah. It might be yeah. depression or, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You're trying to battle your way through something. And I like the idea that it can possibly with a little bit of, it's like picking a lock, you know, if yeah. you do it for long yeah. enough and try hard enough, it's possible mm. that you'll break mm. it and open it and mm. succeed. Mm. So that's why they're all locked. But what mm. I do for, for friends and family, and um, I, as I say, I don't really put this out there, but I do an open padlock. Mm -hmm. And that'd be, I do that for if someone's um, suffered a, a loss in their family, you know, and um while I'm doing those, and oh, mm. because they're all, you know, done with, you know, black pen, um, I'll put in there on, I'll work out how many days that person's been alive. And it's, it's generally an elderly person. So it's normally about sort of 40,000 or, yeah. or so, you yeah. know. It's a massive padlock. <laughs> yeah, it was, it is genuine. Well, you'd be surprised wow. how much you can fit them in. It's normally about sort of around about 22 centimetres. Wow. That's, <laughs> all, that's all it is, you know. Um, um, 50, 52 centimetres, sorry. Yeah. Um, that's when they're, when they're open. And yeah, if the, the marks, when I'll be counting them, I'll have a little clicky, you know, like the doorman used to have in the nightclub. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got one of those, so I'll mark every one. And when I get like to their 18th birthday, I'll put a little red mark, for instance. Oh, maybe, yeah. On their wedding day, I'll put, because mm. I'm, I'm trying to make it to be every day of that person's life. Mm. And the last one, um, the very last mark, is in the centre of the padlock, but I leave the mark out. So you can see a, a, a white, wow. a white gap. gap. And Amazing. that's where they didn't yeah. finish that day, you know. Incredible. But while I'm doing that, I will often, I'll either listen to something that I know that the the friend is, you know, is into or, or likes or something their, their mum or dad liked or the person mm. in question. So that I would sort of try and get all of that energy. Yeah, but I'm sure that all that energy of thinking of that yeah. person yeah. is going to emanate. Yeah, absolutely. It's a whole package, isn't it, of all of those things coming together. I love the the layering of that project as well and all the detail of it and the kind of yeah it's incredible wow yeah so it's like to total immersion isn't it <laughs> yeah it feels it feels that way i just want the world to realize how interesting yeah. and layered they are you know yeah um yeah, yeah it's, it's hard getting the, you know yourself it's hard getting a message out there and it's not until yeah, people's yeah. ears start yeah. pricking up yeah. what do you do to relax then uh, I play a lot of music, play piano a lot. Um, I surf. I don't know if I do relax. <laughs> uh, actually, painting really. Like I, I do get quite bad waves of depression about things, and if I engage with the world too much, like so big issues that I can't do anything about, then I go on a downhill. But if I paint, I like yesterday. I feel amazing afterwards because it's kind of self-affirming somehow. Yeah, yeah. So in a weird way, painting actually is probably my thing. <laughs> I mean, you're not the only one to be affected by things out of out of their control, and I don't know whether that's because of the creative mind, because you're always trying to, you know, a painting is just like a puzzle sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're trying to achieve a, the outcome, whereas when things happen that you have no control over, mm. I mean, I've mm. always been a, a strong person, right? Yeah. I don't know if you heard me mention on a couple of podcasts, but my son round about this time last year, got diagnosed with a rare cancer. Oh, no, right. And yeah. it was the fact that I've always been a sort of 
well, I've always seen myself as a strong sort of centre of, of the world, you know, making everything yeah. right yeah. for it, making sure everything's good for everyone. Then all of a sudden, he's got that, and it is totally out of mm. my control. Mm. I, I felt myself spiralling, mm. and then I had to sort of play it that I'm not getting depressed because mm. The, mm. that's when the fucking family have absolutely yeah, yeah, needed yeah. me. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah, that was a, that was a strange thing to see myself... Mm falling down like that and you know not funny, even be able like, to see the floor you want to grab it and take control of it but it's it's not like that is it and yeah. there's no way you can plan for something like that either is there like mentally because you just don't know yeah um, and yeah the, and when we finally got the all clear which was a, a few months later that was it then it was literally as soon as we got that phone call it was like the fucking weights were being yeah. taken off of my shoulders you know yeah 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 it's absolutely wow. bonkers you mentioned yeah. about um you enjoy um, your public artwork. Yeah. The Kensington and Chelsea Art Show, um, which I've been concentrating on um, throughout this month. Yeah. You was, you was, or you are a part of that. Yeah. You're in a bit of a, bit of a limbo at the moment. Yeah, we're just doing a few technical issues. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really chuffed to be part of it. And it's, it's such a cool thing. I love the fact that that whole area comes alive with all these interruptions to normal life. And, a wicked team that put so much energy into it as well. And what was it you was going to put into that? So that was a, called Wild Words, and um, it's basically a way of making grass die temporarily uh, and messages appear in the grass. And these were messages about natural recovery, and it was kind of timed, you know, after COVID and maybe our relationship with nature and all of those things. So I basically heat up quite gently a steel alphabet and then lay them on the grass um leave them there for a few minutes the grass obviously dies but it dies over over sort of three days so initially the quotes are invisible and then over the next two days they appear brilliant and then as the grass recovers over about two three weeks the the quotes then disappear and obviously nature takes back over nice. so we had we had like quotes from five-year-olds six-year-olds amongst uh, quotes from lem say rob mcfarlane you know some famous oh, words wow. well. yeah there's an opportunity for these kids to be shown in an artwork alongside, you know, some big names in, yeah. in nature. So it's quite a simple concept, really, but um, just a way of presenting the written word in a different way. Um, How and why did that temporarily <laughs> not come about? Yeah, we're just finding some new locations at the moment, but I think the the parks were a little bit worried about the grass and the the, the recovery of it. Um, which is yeah. kind of quite a nice extra bit of story, really, because it's kind of about that uh, yeah. and our relationship with with grass as a as a human thing as well. Um, it does actually recover very quickly, but I can understand that if you know people haven't seen something or tried it, there's a bit of anxiety yeah. around the impact. It's almost it. as if they're refusing to listen to the visual words, isn't it? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've obviously tested it loads, so it works and it's it recovers very easily. I mean, grass almost recovers too easily. It's like, you know, yeah, it's like a <laughs> And I did, a couple of years ago, just maybe a year before COVID hit, I had the sense that, that, that text was just coming so much into the art world from, from all yeah. directions, you know. Mm. Um, Robert Montgomery, I don't know if you know Robert Montgomery, you know, he, he makes text in neon, but places uh, them yeah. in urban locations, you know, yeah. like mobile. There's and, something um, about stumbling across things like that that changes the message doesn't it, it makes them stronger definitely if you read them more slowly you kind of engage with them more but yeah yeah absolutely how many different um pieces of text did you have 
There were 10. So we had a load of submissions then uh, we, we picked 10 and they ranged from like ancient naturalists from, you know, like John Muir to, you know, kids to um, current famous wordsmiths. So it's about the fact that we've always had this relationship with nature and, and, and the recovery of nature as well. So um, yeah, there were 10 in total. There's something that I'd, I'd like to do whole poems of, you know, down banks. Yeah, yeah uh, nice. And make a bit of a performance of it as well. So maybe the scorching and the branding is part of that. Uh, so cinematically, it could work quite well. So it's just the start of an idea. Um, there's a beautiful new uh, installation, the Tate Turbine Hall. I don't know if you saw it, where they grew, they did the opposite, actually, and grew a word um, in a big kind of grass bed and then floated it down the Thames. I just saw that yesterday, funnily enough. They was, um, yeah, walking it down towards the river's beach yeah, to, to let it go. Yeah, it's beautiful. But you're right. I think there is a, a trend toward world's more word-orientated installations. And, um, and that's quite nice. I think uh, the written words become really important in lockdown. Like a lot of people have got into poetry and reading and yeah, definitely. A bit of cathartic stuff. So, yeah, it's cool. And, yeah, I mean... a. a beautiful bit of text it can stay with someone forever can't it you know oh yeah 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 people hold them don't they and it's quite an easy thing to kind of take in and remember as well and I like the kind of crossover as well between when does that word become an image or when does it become a sculpture yeah. so if you put it in that context outdoors is it a word still or is it an image is it, is it graffiti exactly yeah grass feety <laughs> 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 um yeah so so you, you've not found locations yet for it no the team's doing a major job at just finding alternative it was 10 public parks but i think um the grass struggles a bit in the parks anyway so they're a bit reluctant in the end to do that so we will we, it will happen so uh, i mean there was someone that i know I, I won't mention his name because he went under a different name doing this but yeah. he would have a stencil and a higher pressure jet wash and he put the stencil down mm -hmm. over um, just normal pavements in a shopping centre mm. um, with a pressure washer. He'd, he'd sort of oh, cool. run it across the the open part of the stencil, pull it away, and it's not graffiti because it's it just clean cleaned. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this, I don't know where he would have um, where cool. he would have gone legally because, as That's I say, it's not yeah, not graffiti. And I don't think you can be um arrested for cleaning an area. <laughs> <laughs> well you never know nowadays that's for sure you never like the, way, the only way to get rid of it is to clean <laughs> everything else around it <laughs> <laughs> if there was and if there was you and five other artists past and present what would your ideal group show be oh wow um ooh, be pretty eclectic i think um anselm Kiefer. oh yeah Richard Serra. Um, going for some for some big guns. Yeah, is this something that I, I go and look at? Or no, the, it's, it's an art exhibition of you and five other artists. Oh bloody hell! Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, they might not be up for that. Uh, no, they'll be up for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's your ideal group show, so okay. anyone's in it. Richard Long. Nice. Sai uh, Twombly. And of course, tricky. It will change tomorrow. Actually, there's a cool Cornish painter who's worked. I love Sam Bassett. He's working currently, probably him as well. Oh, nice. And what does he does he do? Seascapes. Uh, no, he does kind of autobiographical, abstract 
paintings, but he's he's on fire. I think his work's amazing. Um, and he's got a really strong, strong voice. You should have a chat with him, actually. He's amazing. Oh, I was just writing his name down for exactly that. Um, Sam Bassett. But I just think as a painter, he's got a really powerful language, um, which is really hard to achieve and something, you know, I'd love to get to eventually. Um, and how did you come by him? Uh, I met him through teaching in Cornwall. Um, so there's, there's a bit of a, a cool scene going on now in Cornwall again. So the Newlyn and St Ives things happening and nice. there's a, a cool group of more contemporary and braver painters and sculptors going on. So, yeah, there's stuff going on there, which is great. Those studios down on the St Ives Beach. Oh, yeah. Hawthmore Studios, yeah. Oh, man, they are, they are amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. We, um, and just the heritage there as well is amazing, isn't it? Like the history and the people that have been there and, yeah. Yeah, when I went down to that beach years and years ago, when me and my partner first got together before we mm. was, you know, anchored down with the bloody kids. We, <laughs> <laughs> we um, yeah, we, I went onto that beach and I knew that they was around, I knew that they was in St Ives, but I had no idea where. And I just looked up and I thought, oh, that would be make a great studio. Yeah, and yeah. Then, discovered that it was and <laughs> go in the studios man you'd pay you'd pay a million pound for for that yeah, apartment yeah. Wouldn't yeah. Without view. amazing i love the fact they're still studios it's brilliant and, and they always will be but um, I, I just love that it sounds weird but i love the smell of a studio yeah just that smell yeah. of paint it almost kind of really hits me here because it reminds me of like foundation course and just that you know the smell of the studio is amazing isn't it well, that's what I missed about doing these podcasts over Zoom. People smell. <laughs> yeah, the smell of a human. But no, going into the into the studio, because yeah. even if I didn't know the artist, I'd turn up into their studio and I'd do absolutely minimal, you know, background on, a, on an artist, if I, even if I don't know them, because as I said, it's that mm. chance mm. meeting and, and the yeah, conversation yeah, is yeah. what I like and the discovery. But yeah, going into an artist studio and just sort of having a nose round, yeah. sort of picking up all these little clues like some sort of detective, you know. Like, ooh, and, like that. Ooh, yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. The one that's out at the moment is um, Zach Ove. I don't know if you know. Oh, Zach. yeah, I love that. Pile of Cars is incredible. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, when I went to, to his, um, well, it's not his studio, he was at. Um, MDM Props, which is a great mm. big. Do you know MDM Props? Yeah, yes. yeah. So I went, I went down to there, and I'd, I'd always wanted to go there as well. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. He said, oh, he said, he said, oh, we could go away to somewhere more quiet, just so that there might be a bit of ambient noise. Mm. I said, no, fuck it. We was right <laughs> at the doorway, and yeah. it was, it was where the the workers at lunchtime they come out and have their or have their lunch at this mm. table, you know. And he said, right, well, we can do it here, but we have to be away by like quarter past 12 or whatever it was, because they will just push it. They will just pick our stuff up and you know, <laughs> that's where they have their dinner, you know? Yeah. 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 And, um, Wicked. Yeah, yeah. It was all them, all them noises and banging and crashing going on around us. Yeah. It was great. There's something quite kind of like Neanderthal about it, isn't it? Just people making stuff. It's yeah. like, there's bashing and like, sort of, I don't know. Brilliant. It reminds me of when, uh, you know, when you go down to the Jurassic Coast and there's people trying to find fossils. Yeah. The yeah, beach yeah. full of people with hammers whacking rocks. I was one of those. I was one of those with the kids. Yeah. We've got a, yeah, we've got a, a billion years worth of um, fossils <laughs> just stuck in the bedroom, you know. 
one. Yeah, now we feel guilty about taking a piece of um, yeah, fossilized history and just banging it in the drawer upstairs because <laughs> you don't know what to do yeah. with it. That loft full of dinosaurs. <laughs> and if you wasn't an artist, what would you like to be? Probably some kind of environmentalist or like, um, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a cool program going on in Plymouth at the moment, which is about um, planting seagrass again. Because it's oh, been nice. ripped up for so many generations. Something like that, which is kind of some kind of planting or growing thing or a pianist musician. <laughs> so, yeah, one of the two. <laughs> Yeah. You say the seagrass has been ripped up. Do you mean naturally ripped up or no, so it's like, you know, people and animals? 100 years of anchoring boats and all that stuff. Oh, got you. Seagrass is really important, CO2 um, tap. So, uh, yeah, I love that idea that you're kind of regrowing something, starting something again, and, you know, um, which is going to be important, I think, the next 20 years. <laughs> yeah, well, from, from, from now, from now yeah, on, I think. Now to the infinity, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a couple of trees in the Amazon wouldn't go in this, would they? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, what have you got coming up, Anne? Uh So I'm doing a sort of ongoing show at the moment for a gallery in Manchester, um, which is about fictional travel. Um, Wild Words, I'm going to kind of take forward a wee bit. I'm going to go and reclaim the tool at sea stuff as well, so the old elements from that and reinvent it into something else. I, I'm spending a bit more time in the studio getting back into painting again now um so yeah and another mass i'm trying to organize different mass painting things which obviously can't happen at the moment um and that's how i met the kenston chelsea guys originally we were going to do a mass painting installation in holland park Brilliant. about planting trees um the idea is we get more and more people each time so you get you know 1000 2000 3000 i'd love to do one with school kids so um linking up school kids and painting um, maybe we could do one with prisoners, like do a portrait Excellent, project, yeah. or, you know, get as many thousand people as possible, all drawing or painting at the same time. Um, I don't know, too many ideas, <laughs> not enough yeah, time. But you saying that about doing it with prisoners, um, as part of a workshop, I, <laughs> I'd go into prisons, do my little fucking bit of spiel, um, and then taking a paint by numbers yeah yeah it'd only be sort of like half a dozen tons but you know halfway through they realize it's going to be two pack or or who <laughs> you know? yeah, cool. um, and it all comes together so they've all i've got mm. half a dozen pots of paint yeah. and they'll all be doing a little bit and i thought oh it'll bring everyone together no yeah. way like, like a race. Yeah, get out of my fucking way. Pass me <laughs> out. Who's got the number two paint? <laughs> fucking hell, man. And you know, yeah. no one's no one's polite. No one's got any fucking manners to each other. <laughs> They've got that much fucking fuse, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, yeah, then all like... of a sudden the old me has to kick in. Yeah. Um yeah. which I refer to as Roy Maynard. <laughs> he he pops in and, and puts his fucking foot down, you know, because yeah. Anyone else would just get walked over, you know, trying yeah, to be polite yeah. to these guys. Yeah, yeah. And then all yeah. of a sudden, it's like bang the fucking table and like, <laughs> fucking leave it alone. You know, and they're all right with that. You know, wicked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying to sort of harmonise a load of prisoners. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's pretty like a utopian thing that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's hard work to try and get everyone <laughs> on board. You know, because they're they're yeah. all rebels anyway at heart. Like, you the know? reality check of like everyone painting a flower <laughs> in prison. Yeah. Um, and where can anyone see your work, be it website or social media? Uh, well, my website is agarrett, uh, G-A-R-R-A-T-T dot -T com, 
or Instagram is Anthony Garrett, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-G-A-R-R-A-T-T. Um, yeah, it's a mixture. I mean, it's all a bit out of date, actually, because I'm hopeless at keeping things up to date in that department. But having said that, I'll do it this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> no time like the present. Well, yeah. and that's all my questions asked. Oh, well, thanks so much for the yabba, Gary. Real pleasure to meet you. Yeah, it's good fun. I'll see you later on, mate. Cheers. There you go, Anthony Garrett. Didn't I tell you his artwork was full of empathy? And how beautiful was his All at Sea piece? And as I mentioned there, you can see more of his work over on his website, which is agarrett.com, or over on his Instagram, which is underscore Anthony underscore Garrett underscore. I reckon there was already a couple of Anthony Garretts on Instagram before he joined, didn't you? I know this has been a quick intro and outro, that's because I had quite a bit of work on this week, which I will mention in a further episode, but I've fallen behind in the editing, so I'm off to do that now. So until the next episode, toodle pip. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast or even giving us a positive shout-out on your social media. Anything is appreciated, but either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.